You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. Text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim, live in Green Bay on this beautiful Sunday morning. I bet it's colder than Well Digger's booty up there. What is it? It's, a, it like it's a bit nippy out there. Just a bit. <laughs> easy, easy there. Uh, who was it from Christmas Vacation? God, what was the main character? Chevy Chase's character, Griswold. Clark Griswold. C. Clark. So it's a bit nippy out there. We'll just leave it at that. All right. So yeah, just a little bit. Not just bad. We're, we're over twenty degrees today. We're doing good. I'm officially that old man, Tim. That says they don't make movies like that anymore. You know what I mean? I don't know how you feel, but it just seems like man, oh, we yeah. went on a run there in the '80s and '90s, didn't we? Sure did. Yeah. Some of the best. Some <laughs> I know we got Go ahead. No, it's classics, man. I love I love watching stuff that, especially stuff we watched when we were younger, you know, like oh, yeah. when you were a kid or when you were in high school, and then it's like you watch it now as an adult and you have a whole new appreciation for it. Yeah, definitely. That's what, you know, you guys have heard me mention Leatherhead several times, and it listen, it got horrible reviews. Like, it got horrible reviews. But I was going in and I was following, I think it was Rick Riley was the one who was helping produce it, which he, I think he wrote for either ESPN or Sports Illustrated for a long time. And uh, he was laying out, hey, here's what this movie is going to be. And he said, we wanted it to feel like it was filmed in the era in which the movie is set. So they do a lot of those just one shot scenes where people are running on and off the screen and this and that, you know. Um, So that, you know, I went in with that expectation. All right, this is going to be like stepping back in time and watching a movie a bit. And uh, I thought they crushed it. You know, I think some people went in expecting it to be like some of the modern age movie, all the CGI and, you know, the special effects and everything. But yeah. uh, again, I thought it was I thought it was great because I just love those those throwback approaches to anything, really. I uh, just absolutely love it. Like I'm right now I'm on the NFL films documentaries uh, caught in the draft. If you guys haven't seen them, man, go to YouTube, check them out. Um, they are phenomenal. Just telling the inside stories of past drafts, like they did the Jerry Rice draft year, they did the the Bruce Smith draft year. They do, I think they did the uh, Eli Manning draft year, and then all the circus behind him not wanting to go to the Chargers. Really good stuff there. But when you go back, you know, 15, 20, 30 years, that's when my ears really perk up because I just love to see how things operated back then, for sure. So. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Peter Stone said, Oh hell no. They don't make movies like that anymore. They sure don't, man. They sure don't. We got Josh in the house. What's up, Josh? He said, good morning, PTA posse ready for Packers talking good diesel in the cup. Amen. I just finished my second cup, man. No I'm still on my first one. My wife just tried <laughs> to give me a refill already. I'm not even, I got like two sips in. She said, Sorry. you're not moving quick enough. Let's, let's get another one in there. Let's go. <laughs> Keep it rolling. Um, Dave in the chat says he just uh, – it looks like he just uh, threw out some um, some draft prospects. Draft? Yeah. yeah. Tyler Newbin, safety Minnesota. 
Uh, and then it says Cooper DeGene, uh, safety Iowa. Uh, you got Cooper Beebe, offensive guard, Kansas State. Cedric Gray, uh, linebacker, North Carolina. And then um, looks like he might have some trades in there. So maybe this is a mock draft he's posting. Kalen King, cornerback from Penn State. Junior Colson, linebacker from Michigan. But there's several names on that list I like. They're mm-hmm. Dave Shore, man. Uh, yeah, it sounds like that was his mock draft there. So uh, um, let's see. Peter Stone said who at 25. I'm assuming – did he trade out maybe? Yeah, he traded. Okay, cool. There you go. I like it, man. So picked up some extra picks. So he ends up getting Tyler Newbin at 41, Cooper DeGene at 58, Cooper Beebe, offensive guard at 71. That's a good draft. I see what you've done there now. Cedric Gray, linebacker out of North Carolina. Um, yeah, I like it, man. I like it. Junior Colson. I'm telling you, he's he's one that's just skyrocketing up my board now that I've dug in a little bit deeper and kind of seeing what he brings to the table. Um, but, yeah, good stuff, man. Ne- never too early for a mock draft here on Good Morning Lambo, that's for sure. We're not going to do one. No one – I don't want to hear it. <laughs> We're going to take the mock draft day off here, all right? But uh, watch this. We'll be back tonight to do one, I guarantee it. it it'll always happen. Let's kind of lead off with some offensive line talk, Tim, if that's cool with you, man. Um, obviously, uh, Rasheed Walker – and this left tackle spot with us not knowing exactly what's going to happen with Bach, it's become kind of a conversation point. And, uh, you know, we've been really, really adamant on on this show that, hey, listen, we think Rasheed Walker is a really good offensive lineman, especially for where you drafted him. Was he was he a seventh-rounder, Tim? I get him a little mixed up. I think he was a seventh-rounder, if I remember correctly. I know he was later round. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've kept pointing out, like, man, how, how what a blessing it is that Goody found someone that good that late in the draft to play left tackle while Bach was hurt, you know. Seventh and, round. Yep, you're correct. I got it. Seventh yeah, round, pick 249. There you go. I mean, Goody, just that and the Zach Tom pick, just, I mean, I'm talking about right out of the park. Crushed. Yep. Um, so with Rasheed Walker, anytime we mention, hey, maybe drafting a tackle, right, Um we get a, a couple of comments, a couple of messages, some feedback that just say we're absolutely crazy for even thinking that. And again, we're not saying got to go into this draft and get a tackle. We've never once said that. All we're simply pointing out is if the best player available, the draft board lines up and there's a stud left tackle there that is hands down the best player on your board, the Packers are going to take him. And, and we don't know what their board looks like, but it's a position that's that important. You're talking about tier one of importance, right? Left tackle, protecting the blind side. You've got Zach Tom at right tackle. You're good to go at right tackle, right? At left tackle, it's looking more and more like Bach probably won't be back. I haven't heard anything anything behind the scenes or anything. It's just reading the tea leaves of Matt Schneiden's article and then the fact that Goody, you know, his comments at the presser and everything else has gone quiet. You don't hear anyone else kind of building up this narrative. Hey, there's a good chance Bach will be back. So if that's the case, you're going into the season with Rasheed Walker at left tackle and you've got Zach Tom at right tackle. And I think people have got this misconception because you've seen the stats. You've seen the the numbers come through from PFF and it's like sacks allowed, sacks allowed. He was, you know, just unbelievable, phenomenal in sacks allowed, right? Well, you know, something that goes into figure with the sacks allowed is the quarterback's ability to create time in the pocket and avoid those sacks, right? So that's why I kind of – I don't want to say I throw it out the window. I'm the first one to share it. I love propping up my Green Bay Packers, right? I love throwing that out there and be like, look at this. This is a seventh-rounder, right? But when you really dig into the numbers, okay, how does he grade out? What's his blown block percentage, that type of thing? That's where you get into, okay, they could possibly take a tackle. 
put that to the side for just a second. And we're going to deep dive the numbers here in a minute, right? But just set that to the side for a second. If Rasheed Walker goes down with an injury, who's your left tackle? I pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> like, uh, it's moving Zach Tom over and then putting some, you know, we have to start playing, you know, chess on the offensive line. If we have I, like one, one injury, really. I hope those days are be are, are long gone because I'm telling you, there was nothing worse than watching three offensive linemen have to change positions because of one injury. That's the main thing. And it's, it's kind of what Mike Wall talks about too, is you want as few moving parts as possible. If you have to, you would rather it be this player goes down, this player just replaces them. Everyone else say the same, the game plans. They spent the whole week studying a specific, you know, pass rusher. Right. And they're looking at his moves, his counter moves, his counter counter moves. Right. And then all of a sudden, mid-game, hey, forget everything you studied all week. Go over here and block this dude that you haven't even taken a peek at, <laughs> right? That, yep. that just the whole dynamic. I want to do this real quick. Mike Wall did reach out to me yesterday and confirm, or didn't confirm, but told me what they called the play. I asked him, I said, what What would you call this play? I said, you know, I, I called it just 22-I because of personnel, and I went U-71, Bacon, 24, misdirection. But what did you guys actually call the play? We're talking about the Amon Green run. Um, he said, green right wing, 96, power low. And I had to ask him, I said, remember yesterday I talked about, I've seen some of the some of the numerical coding where the two is the halfback and then in others the four is the halfback. And then it depends on if it's an eye formation, a three-back set, if you're in the lower levels of you know high school and college football. Um, if it's a single back set, do they just go with the four? Do they go with the two? Um, you know, which hole is it designed to run to? All those things. He said, and I asked him, I said, what does 96 describe? Because I just want to know. Keep in mind, guys, this was back in 2003. So things have changed a lot, and it'll come back and all that. He said 96 meant the nine number was an I-back run. So they just used a numerical system to let them know. Rather than go I-formation, strong right, or whatever, they just said 96. Everyone on the offense knew that was going to be an I-formation run, nine, and then six was the six hole. So I thought that was kind of cool just to give you a little behind the scenes there with a former NFL offensive lineman and, and him just breaking that down for us. So pretty neat stuff there. Anyway, back to offensive line. What we're simply saying is you're one injury away from Yash or not even Yash. Yash is probably going to be gone this year, I imagine. You know, they put a second round tender on him last year for four million. I, I, I bet Goody wishes he had that back, Tim, because that was really wasted cap space, to be honest with you. The fact that Rasheed Walker was the one who ended up stepping in. Um, now, with that being said, you got Caleb Jones, who will most likely be back on the roster this year. That means that Caleb Jones will be stepping in as your starting left tackle if, for some reason, Rasheed Walker went down. Right? No, that means that. Be, <laughs> no, that means Caleb Jones starts at right tackle, and Zach Tom moves to left tackle <laughs> because Zach Tom is one of those rare. It's just one of those rare breeds. I mean, the guy can play anywhere on the line, really. It, yeah. it's, usually, it's pretty tough. Guys will tell you how difficult it is to go from playing right on the right side to the left side, you know, tackles are not usually interchangeable guys that are really good on one side are not necessarily able to play on the other side. But um, I don't know. I think, I think that would be the move. I think we, we'd put big Caleb on the right side, but I don't know. How does Jordan throw the ball when you, when you're looking to your, you're going through your progressions and there's big, you know, you got Shaq, you know, playing right tackle for you. What is he like six, eight? Is that what he is? Something like, like that. I think so. Six, seven, six, eight. Yeah. Caleb's Caleb's tall dude, man. I don't know. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. But um, 
Yeah, so if you if you do kick Tom over and then you put, you know, like I said, Caleb Caleb in at right tackle, there's the moving parts we talked about. There's the right. Week of preparation, right, um, that kind of goes out the window. But nonetheless, let's kind of look at Rasheed Walker. I, I want you guys to understand where I'm coming from with this whole I don't see Rasheed Walker as an elite offensive lineman, okay? First of all, let's start with PFF. And, again, always got to put the disclaimer out there. PFF is not everything. It's it's one of many metrics that we can use and go, okay, how do these guys stack up against other guys at their positions or just the global offensive line spot, however you want to look at it, right? More information, the better is the way I see that. If you disagree, it's totally cool. We can agree to disagree on that. So if we go to offensive tackles, right, this is just O-line, this is just – Offensive tackles, left tackles, right tackles across the league, and we did some some minimal stuff to try to to try to filter out some of the noise on some of these statistics. But these are the pass blocking grades for offensive tackles. Okay, Rasheed Walker comes in 29th. All right, and this is the big. This is what he's good at. Okay, this is what we talk about. Hey, he is an absolute stud at pass blocking. Right. They knocked this out of the park. We had a conversation about it last night with Jake Shavink in the chat, just simply talking about look. You can tell the Packers, if you have to choose one or the other, they're choosing pass blocking, and I agree with that mindset. But even then, he's 29th in the league in pass blocking grade at 74.7, okay? That's good, though. That's starting caliber because you've got to factor in 64 offensive linemen, right? Now, if we go to just offensive grade in general, he drops amongst tackles at a 66.3. He drops all the way down to 54th, okay? Now, you're going, well, what, what does that mean? That's because that's incorporating the run blocking and the penalty aspect, okay? So it's your overall offensive grade. He is grading out as the 54th best tackle in the league. Now, let's go to run blocking. This is what I keep pointing out. Run blocking, he's tied for 86 at 56.3 in run blocking, okay? Now, people immediately will say, well, run blocking is not that important, okay? Do you guys remember the first half of the season when this offense was absolute booty cheeks? It was because we could not get the running game going. So it's this time of year we put that on the back burner again, and then week four we're all complaining, myself included, going, this damn running game's slowing up. Why why can't we get the running game going? Now they finished strong. That kind of checks the box at the end of the season that maybe they were on the uptick. But nonetheless, his run blocking grade, I mean, that is bad, 56.3. 86 best tackle that I mean that's not even starting caliber right obviously it's it's kind of middle of the middle of the pack number three top tackle stuff um so just just want to kind of point that out now what's a, a key metric or a key statistic that I like to lean on when it comes to offensive line blown block percentage right I want to key in on blown block percentage because it's important because that's consistency right I could care less about someone pancaking someone and having a flashy player shutting down this elite pass rusher, you know, and, 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 you know, boosting a specific, I want to know how consistent are you at holding your blocks? Because when you blow blocks, you blow plays. And when you blow plays, you blow offensive game plans. When you blow offensive game plans, you go three and out, three and out, three and out on the final three drives. And then someone finally marches down the field on your defense, scores a game when a touchdown and we're all blaming the defense. These are the type of consistencies that, that are so, so important when it comes to the game of football, especially at the NFL level. Blown block percentage. Amongst all offensive linemen, with a minimum of 200 snaps, keep that in mind. I filtered out some of the noise to make it look a little bit better. Um, uh, a minimum of 200 snaps here. He comes in 105th 
at a 3% blown block rate. Now, that's not like horrible, right, because it's amongst all offensive linemen. But still, it's just something to kind of – there's where the problem is. To me, you, you've got a, a little bit of a, high, a higher blown block percentage, right, than you would want to see. But also, he's just not as well-rounded in the run-blocking game. Why am I mentioning all this? If you come into this draft – and a stud offensive tackle falls to you that's going to put you in top 10 in all of these categories we're talking about, think about how much better this run game gets. Now, is it a slam dunk that that, that quote-unquote top talent is, is going to come in and, and it completely uh, you know uh, bleed into the NFL game? No, nothing ever is. But you need a backup tackle anyway. If you bring someone in to compete and now we get better at left, ta- left tackle, imagine this. You go into the season with a stud left tackle that you drafted. You got Zach Tom on the other side. And then, God forbid, one of those two guys go down. Guess who your swing tackle is now? Rashid Walker. Well, let me give you a better, uh, an even better situation, which I think this is a more realistic scenario. Let's say in the first or the second round, a stud tackle falls to you. You draft him. And now Rashid Walker beats him out in camp. They have this heated battle, right? He beats him out in camp. And now that quote-unquote stud left tackle is now your swing tackle on the bench. You've got to have depth at the offensive tackle uh, position there for sure. So, Tim, uh, anything you want to comment on that there, man? And, again, we're not saying Rasheed Walker is a bad football player. I think he's a really good football player. But the the mindset going into the draft of, well, we don't – we when you say we don't need that, therefore we're not willing to draft for that, you are drafting by need automatically. Because you're saying, you know, drafting by need doesn't necessarily mean, all right, we need this position. We're just going to go get this. It also means we don't need that position. Therefore, we're not even looking at that. That's drafting by need too, right? So it's important to take the best player available within the cluster of the tier that you're currently in, the tier of talent, to fill these, especially these elite positions like tackle, like edge defender, quarterback, obviously, that type of stuff. But, Tim, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean – I'm right there with you, man. I don't think either one of us is trashing Rasheed Walker. You know, we're not we're not saying that he's not the guy. We're just saying he's probably not the guy yet. You know, it's still early in his career. Um, it is it is crazy because if you go back and and look at like Bakhtiari, he kind of had the same ups and downs his first couple years in the league as well. And I remember a lot of people having similar conversations about Bach. And you know, now all these years removed, you know, he's probably one of the best left left tackles that the game's seen in the last, you know, 20 years. So, you know, Rashid Walker could be on the same trajectory himself, but we're just saying that you have to look at this from, you know, bird's eye view here. And, you know, what are, what is our game plan going forward, especially a situation where, you know, Bakhtiari is probably not going to be back. And let's say even if he was, let's say even if he was back, how many games do we have him for? Are we going to do exactly what we did last year and, you know, Rashid Walker is going to up and be your starter anyway. Um, we're just saying you have to look at depth, depth on the offensive line. And, you know, we talked about the run game struggling. Everyone wants to look at our running backs. And it's like, well, you know, it kind of starts with the, the boys up front and doing the blocking. Um, <laughs> you know, that kind of helps. So um, I don't think there's anything wrong with drafting a tackle. Uh, I think we should draft a tackle. I think we should draft interior offensive line as well in this draft. Um, just to create that depth. Look at our wide receiver room and the depth that is at receiver. There's a great example, Perfect example. Of, of, of Goody just like loading up 
And, you know, when you're, when you're doing that, you're hoping, you know, you draft five guys, you're hoping, you know, two or three of them work out and they're monsters. You know, we can take that same approach on the O-line. By the way, side note, Caleb Jones, six foot nine. We were, we were, <laughs> we were both wrong. Six foot nine, 320 pounds. That's a big dog. How do you throw over him, bro? I don't think you do. I don't think you do. So maybe you're right, Clayton. Maybe we look at him, you know, put him on Jordan's blind side. So yeah. Jordan, Jordan's not having to throw over him as much maybe, but I, I don't know. Big old boy right there, man. Big old but guy. that's a guy we're invested in too. You know, Caleb Jones, we got a couple of years invested in his development. You know, he's had the the injury bug a little bit too often on it. It's part of the game. Um, yeah. But I just, you know, I want to reiterate, neither one of us thinks Rasheed Walker is a bad player at all. We're not, we're not saying we need to get away from him. We're not saying we need to find a replacement. We're simply yeah. saying we need a contingency plan here. We need depth at the position. So yeah, um, for sure. I don't know if they'll go tackle first round, but it's a possibility. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. I mean, yeah, if 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 they have a tackle that was in their top tier of talent that somehow falls to 25, Goody's going to take him, right? Um, if that's the best player available on the board. Now, if you look up and you go, okay, we got a tackle, we got two safeties, we got a corner, and we got three linebackers in that top tier, that's for a scenario that we kind of talked about that you're probably going to get into maybe trading back, right? Which I, I'm kind of team trade back. It seems like every year I've talked myself into that. Unless you're going to hop up and get one of those guys in the top echelon, right? That's the, the big thing. We got Mark in the chat. Say, good morning, everyone. Good to see you in here, Mark. He said he got better as the year went on. Talking about Rasheed Walker. He said, yep. pull up on how he did per game. I've got it right here, actually. Um, so here it was per week, okay, starting in week two. Uh, because he only played, what, uh, seven snaps in week one. Well, we, we'll do week one, too. Just keep in mind, only seven snaps in week one, okay? 60.7. This is overall offensive grade. 60.7, 57.4, 73.2, 
You're thinking, okay, now we're in the 60s and 70s, right? We're doing good. 88.7 against Tampa, right? Now, Tampa, we know how that game went, right? (laughs) On the defensive side, that kind of shows you what we were trying to do from the offensive standpoint. We were trying to play catch-up, basically, right, if I remember correctly. So after the 88.7, that was his best game of the year against Tampa, right? It drops down in Carolina to 40.6. And then week 17, 59.0. And then Chicago week 18, 75.8. So his lowest grade of the year came in week 16. So, and what would be most likely his what? One, two, three. His third, his fourth lowest grade of the year came in week 17. All right, so, you know, again, we're not saying that Rasheed Walker's a bad player, but the consistency wasn't there, right? And, again, he he exceeded our expectations as a seventh-round pick. There's no two ways about it. 100%. If he, if he continues that, and here's the cool thing, too. Last training camp, I know Bach was, was still kind of nursing the injury, and Rasheed probably got a significant amount of snaps. If Bach is off the roster and Rasheed Walker is left tackle number one, Having a whole training camp as left tackle number one, that's absolutely huge. So, you know, and I think the season wore down on on Rashid a little bit too. You know, he he was dealing with, um, you know, he popped up on the injury report a couple times, if memory serves me correct. I don't know. I think it was knee or ankle he had going on. Um, not making excuses, but you know, when you're thrown into the fire, we talk about Quay Walker. You know, in his first season, just being thrown into the fire, playing, you know, almost a thousand snaps or whatever it was. Um, you know, that can wear on a young player too. And you're, you're trying to learn and adapt and adjust. And then you're also fighting through, you know, some nagging injuries in your first season in the, you know, as, as a starter in the NFL, um, that could explain some inconsistencies. Um, cause you know, early in the year, he was at his, at his best at his peak when it came to the health and then, you know, grinding out week to week, you know, you might've saw some inconsistency, um, you know, due to some nagging injury there. But, um, again, I don't, I don't think that's a bad performance at all. If no. we look at him overall, um, you know, but I don't think we've seen enough to say, yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> and even if we were right, Clayton, let's say we, we did say that, let's say, dude, Rashid Walker is the left tackle of the future. You're going right. to tell me we don't need a backup. Right. I'm not, I just, I don't, I don't understand the logic of we yeah. don't need a left tackle or we don't need a swing tackle. Right, and nobody's disagreeing if someone says, "Man, I'd rather him do it later in the draft." I would too if the draft board falls that way. It's just uh, the part I the part I struggle with is someone hops in the comments, uh, you know, after hours and says something along the lines of, "You guys are making no sense. Why in the world would you take a tackle? We got Rasheed Walker." It's like, man, I mean, you guys are playing Madden with injuries off, is what it sounds like to me. Boy, are you going to get mad when they pick another quarterback and we have Jordan Love? Right. We talked about that the other night off air uh, with uh, with the gang, and it's uh it's not out of the realm of possibility that they uh, they have a quarterback fall in their lap and they pull the trigger on it. I'm not going to be surprised. Do I hope they do it? Absolutely not. The only way we can combat it as fans is get a hold of that witch that Aaron Rodgers dated for a little bit, 
and let's try to get her to put some kind of hex on this draft where 15 quarterbacks are taken before we pick. All right, let's just get them all out of here. I want every quarterback in the draft off the board so Goody can't even think about taking another QB, right? But, uh, it's funny, oh, though. We're going to give him some some of us felt like that when they made the Jordan Love draft pick. I didn't personally. I liked the pick. Um, I got roasted for it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was on the on Facebook and in message boards. This was before I was on Twitter. And uh, when they took Jordan Love, I was like, man, I like it, dude. I, but you're setting up the future right now. Oh, my God, I got torched, absolutely torched for that response. But, uh, again, uh, I remember other people that were kind of wishy-washy on it, then they came around on it later, and then – I don't think anybody's complaining about it now after the way he played last year. I mean, my goodness, just a phenomenal year. Red Mo hit the nail on the head here, said if, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. It's exactly right, man. They don't ever look at it like, all right, well, this part of the roster is okay, right? It's who are the best players available and does it fit a need in that current tier? If it does, all right, let's, let's, let's get that one here. How can we get the next guy in the next wave? That type of thing. That's the beautiful thing about mock drafts is projecting ahead and going, okay, who would potentially be there next time? That's the problem with the safety position that I think I can I can realistically see us not getting us uh, one of those top two safeties in this draft because it doesn't really line up where we pick. We know Goody's not willing to reach. If he doesn't trade back out of 25, there's a legitimate shot we could lose one of these two safeties. I just don't see him taking one of those safeties at 25. I would love to see it, but it just seems like Goody probably wouldn't wouldn't make that that call there. Um, let's see here. Peter Stone said, LOL, put Caleb in on special teams to block field goals with that height. Won't happen, but wow, could you imagine? Imagine, just just stand out there in the middle and see if the kick <laughs> is by your helmet there, right? Uh, no doubt. So, good stuff. I, I know Red Mo made a good point here, too. He said, Caleb Jones's lower body just struggles to withstand his own mass. Uh, I'm deeply hoping a few years in NFL strength and conditioning and slight less weight can aid with that you when I see him on the field and I, I don't I, I'm not saying this to try to knock him okay I'm not this dude at six foot nine he is way more of an athlete than I've ever thought about being in my life but Tim when I see him walk I'm just I'm waiting for one of those knees to buckle like you know the weight it's carrying and it's just it, it's it's hard to, it's really hard to watch when you see someone like a you know who's built like Zach Tom a little bit smaller in stature you just look at him and you think man that dude the way he carries himself, the way he moves his weight around, the, his joints look safe. That looks like a dude who's going to be very, very durable his entire NFL career. But when you see someone like Caleb, it's, man, I, my knees ache watching him walk with his helmet off. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And it's tough. What do you do? You tell a guy like that to lose some weight? It's like, well, you can't do that. You're an offensive lineman. You know, we can't have a tall, skinny Caleb Jones. That's not going to help <laughs> us. You might as well move him to tight end or something. Power but, forward. Yeah, power forward. Um, but no, I'm with you. I've noticed that myself at camp and, um, you know, you'll, you'll notice too, a lot of what he struggled with his knee and ankle and those type of things, hip and, you know, lower body for sure. But he's also coming into his own here. This will be his third, third season going into his third season here with the pack. Yeah. So, you know, we got, uh, you know, new strength and conditioning, uh, pe personnel coming into this team. Uh, we've made some changes, you know, maybe things get better and he understands, you know, how, you know, a lot of that can be, you know, getting the feel of your NFL body too and playing in this league and how you're moving around out there um, and certain stuff you can rehab. You know, you might set yourself back after a game, but you can, you know, rehab and get back to where you need to be. Um, but yeah, I, that's certainly something to keep an eye on. But 
I do have this feeling about him. I've always liked Caleb. And, um, you know, we can look at his tape at Indiana, man. He was, you know, an absolute monster. There's a reason that we brought him here. Um, so I, I got to think that uh, he'll find a way like a lot of these other guys to just deal with it and fight through it. And hopefully it's it doesn't manifest into some kind of serious injury. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing him, you know, get some reps and, and see what we can do. We haven't we haven't really seen much of Caleb um, in Green Bay, but what we have seen, I've liked. So uh, yeah. you're right, man, that, that lower body carrying that big frame. I mean, maybe he should give Shaq a call. See how Shaq Shaq was able to do it and play in the NBA for 150 years like he did. So uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. But uh, Big Caleb definitely in in my prayers this year. I'd love to see uh, see him have a have a season for sure. I would I would come up off the couch if they if they broke out a U71 bacon top play where Caleb is a tidy and oh I'd lose my mind. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, j- just to kind of put a bow on that little segment there, talking about you know Rasheed Walker and run blocking. If you sorted the league by run blocking grade, according to PFF, the Packers are the not worst run blocking team in the league. Okay. And again, it that's not the harp on, on the fact that like you could tell Goody is building this offensive line to be pass blockers. That's first and foremost. I'm simply saying if you can get better at that aspect of your game, imagine how much better this offense is going to be if the, if the running game doesn't stutter. You've seen it down the stretch, right? Aaron Jones just went off. Now, the problem is if you watch the tape, you don't find yourself going, man, what a great block there. What a great block there. You can handpick one or two, absolutely. But it's mostly Aaron Jones hitting the hole like just a, a madman and, and absolutely making things happen, too. That's why the run blocking grades down. Aaron Jones's grade went through the freaking roof as he led the league. I think he led the league the last three weeks in rushing, if I remember correctly. Yep. So, now, what's the positive of that? Zach Tom on the other side here, right? Um, his offensive grade, overall offensive grade, Zach Tom, he comes in 16th amongst tackles, right, at a 79.7, just an absolute stud. What makes him so good? You guessed at run blocking. He's eighth in run blocking grade in the National Football League at an 81.2, okay? Think about some of the big run plays, you know, throughout the year and how they happened off the right side. And it's been my understanding – with Matt LaFleur before this year, because I haven't seen the numbers compiled yet for this year, he liked to run left more than right a large majority of the time. This year it seemed like we were breaking off some of the bigger plays to the right. The only play I can really think of that we broke off to the left was against uh, against San Francisco there where we done the, the toss crack or the pin and pull, whatever you want to call it, to the left where Jonesy cut it back across the grain and ended up on the right side of the field, right, cutting it all the way across. That's more, if you watch how that play develops, that's more let the defense flow in one direction, use the cutback, right, uh, yep. that type of thing, pin and pull. So I wanted to point that out. And then as we were going through the blown block percentage, that's why I love deep diving some of this stuff because we always find something else. Tim, it never fails. We always find something else and go, huh, look at that. Do you guys remember when we were talking about potential free agents earlier in the year? The only offensive lineman we came up with that we liked is actually a former Packer. He spent a little bit of time in Green Bay. That was Greg Von Roten. Okay, I think he played with the Raiders last year. Did right. we draft him originally? I, I don't think he was drafted. I could be. We we looked it up, but uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. I'd like to actually. You know what? I'm gonna pull it up on PFF so we can get a little bit better picture there and see if uh see if we can find uh let's see Von. Roten, this is how we do it, man. We got a whole 
a whole schedule here and we're going off cuff. That's just the way it works, man. That's on me today. My fault. No, it's, it's all good, man. I love it. I love it. These are the type of conversations you need to have in real time. Right. Um, there he is. Greg Vaughn wrote. Them. All right. Let's see real quick what he, uh, what he did. So it says draft team. Uh, yes. Yeah, so draft team green Bay Packers 2012, but he was a free agent. So he was undrafted free agent by the green Bay Packers. Okay. Yep. So, uh, that's, uh, that's that. As far as his offensive grades um, throughout his career, he's not been good, but last year he really finished strong. You know, 51.7, 62.9, 61.2. These are yearly grades, by the way. 65.6, 63.0, 68.1, 57.6, and then a 75.3. Now, if he was asking for top guard money, I'd say no way, no how. But we already pointed out that he was only asking for, or I'll say he's asking for, his fair market value set at $2.7 million. So that's someone you could potentially plug and play. I would rather them go with a young player, get those reps out of the way, that type of thing. But when we were looking at blown block percentage, this blew me away here, Tim. Those were the PFF grades we just talked about, right? Blown block percentage, 20th amongst all offensive linemen at only 1.7% blown block percentage, right? Wow. It's actually tied for 19th is Greg Von Roten, um, right guard for the Raiders. Look at number 21. And the reason I found it was because I was looking for Elton Jenkins' numbers. And right above them, I thought, boy, wouldn't that be one hell of a left guard, right guard combination there? And, again, it's not that he's just going to be a, a top five or a top ten guard. We're, we're reducing the blown block percentage. That way the offense can be more efficient, right? Um, and, and, listen, the greater needs are on defense. We all agree with that, right? These players played – I mean, they are they have underperformed uh, since the last three DCs, it seems like. Right. right. So I'm not saying top priorities offense. It's just the conversation being around Rasheed Walker steers in this direction. Just simply pointing out, if you can get a Greg Von Roten um, there uh, in free agency, I think that could potentially be a, a good signing. And the other thing, too, Tim, is like the the way these front offices go out and find these these lower name free agents is because the first thing they do is they go back to their original draft database, right? And they go, what did they grade out as when we first drafted them or didn't draft them? Obviously, they were higher on him than most because they signed him as an undrafted free agent. Other teams weren't on him at the time, obviously. And then they go back and look at their own uh, where they've been scouted since they've been in the league too. So I guarantee you he's one of the names that probably pops up on Goody's list going, hey, you remember Greg Monroe? We liked him coming out of college. He had a really good year last year. What yep. if we could plug and play him at right guard since Runyon most likely won't be back? I'm sure those kind of type of conversations are going on behind the scenes. But what do you think about Greg Von Roten there? And we're going to look at the free agents here in just a second, too. I, I'm not opposed to it at all because, again, it adds depth. Um, but I do, think, I, I do think there's some some value in what you're saying, though, about you know what we're trying to accomplish in the run game, you know, running pin and pull and you know requiring our, our linemen to be you know athletic and get out there you know, pinning and pulling, I, you know, the youth movement is real. If you can have some fresh legs out there, you know, that may be one of the the reasons, you know, Caleb Jones has uh, struggled a bit to, to see the field is dealing with that lower body and, you know, making those big moves. It can be tough on you, but I think a guy like, um, uh, uh, what is his name? Uh, Van Roten. Um mm-hmm. He would be a good addition because it, it provides some stability there and some experience. Um, but there is some value in maybe looking to the draft for this uh, this position as well, just because we need that, you know, those RAS scores and that athletic ability 
to be able to move because if you're running something like that, I mean, we saw them running pin and pull early in the year and it was a dumpster fire and it was not a good look. Um, but as the season progressed, you know, the guys started getting their legs underneath them and, uh, you know, we were damn near unstoppable running those sometimes. Um, so I think, uh, that's where we got to look. I'm sure Goody's thinking of that too, you know? I think it's more along the lines, too, of the defense expecting what's coming, right? Like, that's one thing that Mike Wall pointed out when we had him on the show in the first third of the season. He was like, you've you've put this on tape. They see this coming. They know it's coming. They're not even biting on the Sith block. They're not even keying in on that. They, When people say the Packers' offense is different, what they're saying is you've got keys that you look for as a defender. As a linebacker, you're looking at the offensive line movement. You're looking at the tight ends. When you see a tight end shoot all the way across the field, right, to do a Sith block, your instincts immediately want you to think, if you haven't watched any tape on that team, he's pulling, they're going that way. And then what do we do? We run a weak side zone off of that because you get the defense flowing in that direction, and then you get the tackle blocking out, and bang, you're off to the races. Um, so, uh, you know, as the season goes on, we we try to use that too much in the first third of the season. You get away from the sifting, and then all of a sudden you come back to it on the backside with the pin and pull and the sift blocks on the uh, what we call split flow or split zone. Now it's there again, right? Because they got used to having to watch people pull up. Okay, I do need to flow that way. As we're like against Max Crosby, he wasn't even focused on the sift. It was just my eyes are in the backfield. Don't buy the eye candy, right? That's basically the way teams were approaching it. So um, Mark in the chat makes a great point. Rookies are cheaper, man. The way the draft is set up, the more draft picks you've got, I mean, you can really – I mean, you see it with the wide receiver position with us, right? You hit on Dobby. Uh, you hit on Jaden Reed. Uh, you obviously – I think you hit on Christian Watson. It's just you got to get him on the field, right? Um, right? You hit on Tay Wicks. That's why you've got one of the cheapest wide receiver rooms in the league. If you can continue to hit on these later-round picks. That's why I'm team trade out of that first-round pick. Pick up some more draft picks because it helps your cap down. You're going to get two for one or, in some cases, three for one as far as the cap space that's eaten up as opposed to, like, you know, like say someone like a Lucas Van Ness, which I think is going to be a great p- football player. I've seen enough last year that I think, okay, Lucas Van Ness is going to be able to play at this at this level, and he's going to play at a high level. I believe that. I'm going to continue to believe that. Um, but when you take into consideration the limited snaps he played because of, you know, the fact that you got Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary in front of him, and the high cap hit of a number 13 pick, that's a little bit different feel, right? I did see a redraft where someone took Brian Branch with that 13th pick over top of Lucas Van Ness. And uh, it was cool, too, because in that redraft, if I remember correctly, Jaden Reed, Tay Wicks, Carl Brooks, they all went really early. It just kind of shows you how well Goody did with that draft. But let's take a look at the free agents real quick. You want to, Tim? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we did this earlier in the year. I'm going to zoom in so you guys can see it a little bit better here. We did this a little earlier in the offseason. And what the goal here – was to try to identify, okay, what do we have available in free agency, right? And we made a list of, okay, here are the top free agents that we like. The list we came up with was Bobby Wagner, linebacker, for $4 million. Geno Stone, safety, for $6.5 million. Alohi Gilman, safety, for $2.7 million. Safety Darnell Savage at $5 million. Obviously, we paid him almost eight last year. Uh, and Greg Von Roten at $2.7 million. Okay, so then what we did was we went in and – we did six mock drafts. We did one from PFF, one from PFN, and one from the mock draft database website. Okay. We compiled all that information and we said, okay, based off the needs that we had, and basically these needs were compiled because we uh, 
we couldn't use free agency. We couldn't use the draft yet, right? So these are kind of our our early early offseason stage needs were four safeties, four corners, uh, three offensive linemen, two linebackers, one defensive lineman, one edge, one tight end, and one running back, okay? Now, as far as starting caliber, we said two starting safeties, two starting corners, one being a nickelback, the other being opposite Jair, uh, one starting offensive lineman, specifically right guard, one starting linebacker, probably the wheel backer in this new 4-3 defense, a starting defensive line simply because – um, you know, our D-line has struggled so much at, at stopping the run. We think we could get a little better there in the middle, too, if you find a stud like a Jerzan Newton falls to you and he can just completely take over that spot opposite Kenny Clark. I think you, I think I'm okay with that pick, too. An edge, a backup edge, because Kingsley and Igbari obviously is going to start the year with the ACL injury. He's going to start on the uh, injured reserve. And then you got a, you need a third backup tight end. If Tyler Davis doesn't recover from that knee injury that put him out in the entire year, um, obviously Josiah DeGuara's contract, um, expired. I don't expect them to bring him back. So essentially what you got right now is Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave, and Ben Sims. So you can use a, another backup tight end um, and halfback, of course, uh, behind Emmanuel Wilson. So if you do bring back A.J. Dillon somehow, some way, I think they'll let him test the market. We won't find out if he comes back until probably early stages of free agency and he realizes the market isn't that good. But if you bring him back, you would have Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Emmanuel Wilson. I think you can go ahead and draft your running back of the future since Aaron Jones is getting a little bit older, and that can be your fourth back and put Emmanuel Wilson on and off the practice squad as needed. And, of course, I think there's a realistic shot, like we said, that A.J. Dillon doesn't return. That's another even more of a reason to draft a running back. So with that being said, those are our needs. And we went through and did the six mock drafts. And what we came away with, these are the players that we weren't able to get, okay? And I averaged it out. So the higher the number, the higher the priority, meaning we need – the higher the need, meaning we need uh, more of that position, okay? Cornerback at 1.1, safety at 1, offensive line at 0.8, cornerback at 0.6, safety at 0.6, tight end at 0.6, linebacker at 0.5, and we're not going to worry about anything under the, under a 0.5, okay? So this is kind of key in on the free agency. I sorted all of these free agents. These are the top free agents available. Now, keep in mind, the franchise tag can be placed, I believe, as early as Monday is when that starts, Monday or Tuesday. So as that gets cranked up and they start putting franchise tags on her, some of these players are not going to be available. Like I'm expecting, and, and we'll read it here on PFF. You see how it says franchise tag right there, right, Tim? So yep. it's going to kind of give you a tip that, hey, we think he's going to be franchise tag. So out of all these positions sorted by 0.5 need or higher, according to our six mock draft saturation and the information we compiled of the needs that we weren't able to fill, Antoine Winfield will be number one. He's your eighth-ranked uh, safety. Some people are saying, man, I'd love to have him as our safety of the future. I would, too. There's two things, though. I don't think he's going to be available, and are you willing to pay $16 million for your safety? I think I think that position, if you can, if you can overpay for great, I'm good with that. Just don't overpay for good. I think you would be overpaying for great here, and I'm okay with that. Uh, you'd have to really get creative with the cap and move some stuff around to fill some of your other needs if you want to go after Antoine Winfield. But, again, they're expecting to be franchise tagged. I just don't expect them to be available. Next is Jalen Johnson. They're expecting him to be franchise tagged. He was a cornerback for Chicago. Um, he's the uh, ninth-ranked free agency uh, free agent that's going to be available this year. Um, I'm not big on him, and I'll tell you why. Look at his 2021 grade, 64.2. 2022, 62.9. Then he jumps to a 90.8 in the contract year. Let Chicago do that. I'm not interested. Okay. 
He's 24 years old. He's he's going to I think he he still has the ability to be a great player. Um, but 18.8, if you were to average out those PFF grades, you would be overpaying for good, not great. Nonetheless, they're expecting Chicago to franchise tag him. Up next is the one that Carly Ray mentioned the other day, Legereus Sneed, right? And we kind of broke him down a little bit. He's the 10th highest graded free agent, according to PFF. Uh, his PFF grades were 63.6. These are over the last three years when I read these off game. 63.6, 77.7, 72.5. He's 27 years old. Would you be willing to pay him $17.5 I would not. Tim, has your mind changed on that? No, and he has um... – I'm not going to I don't I got to be use my words carefully here. Um, penalty problems. He has um, gotcha. He's, you know, aggressive player, but uh, he, he he'll cost you a 15 yarder every once in a while on some stupidness. Um, gotcha. And I don't think we need that. Got it. Got it. Up next will be a uh, tackle Tyron Smith from Dallas. Um, his PFF grades, <clears throat> 90.2, 60 60.9, 83.7. He's 33 years old. Obviously, that'd just be a one year top deal. Ten million per. I'm not interested. Um, Kendall Fuller, cornerback, um, let's see, uh, out of Washington. And, uh, yeah, Tyron Smith was not expected to the franchise tag, obviously. Kendall Fuller, cornerback out of Washington, 29 years old. So he's already kind of getting ready to hit that wall of 30. 81.5, 76.6, 83.1. They're expect, he's expecting to get a three-year, $13.3 million contract. That's a no for me there. Um, Kyle Duggar, safety out of New England. They're saying he'll probably get franchise tagged by New England. They love this dude, have for a long time. 69.7, 78.4, 61.4. We'll keep it moving since they said franchise tag. Cameron Curl, safety out of Washington, 24 years old. PFF grade 69.4, 82.9, 66.6, but they're expecting him to be franchise tag. We'll keep it moving. Trent Brown, tackle from New England. Um, this is good value, I think, Tim, at you know seven and a half million per for a tackle. But he's 30 years old. Obviously, it'd be a one or a two-year rental if you went this route. Um, PFF grades 74.4, 67.4, and then last year 80.2. Keep in mind the snap count though, 579. He's battling. This is another one of those guys. Much like Caleb, he is a big, big, big man. Trent Brown is, um, so that's a no for me. Do you disagree with that one, or, or what do you think there, Tim? No, I'm with you on that. I'm okay. not Got interested it. in 30 year old tackles. Got it. All right, Mike Onwenu is another one um, from New England. He's 26 years old. He's playing tackle as well. Uh, 86.7, 79.3, 71.5. They're expecting him to get 14 and a half million per. I just don't see it there. I would rather move forward with Rashid than try to overpay for a tackle like that if Bach isn't your offensive tackle, obviously. Um, that's the beautiful thing, too, about hitting on Rashid. He's your floor, right? He's going to be your starting left tackle if the, if the draft doesn't fall uh, perfect to you and you get a stud at left tackle. Look at the money you're saving. You're probably going to have one of the cheaper tackle rooms in the league, too. Uh, we need to look that up soon like we did wide receiver last offseason. So here you got Awuzi uh, from uh, Cincinnati. Um, he's expecting to get $10.5 million per. He's 28 years old. I know we said no to him. So as we climb down the list here, we're looking for corner, safety, offensive line, um, another corner, so two corners really, uh, two safeties, and a tight end is really what we're looking for. So the first name that we found on our list, and I want you guys to understand why we came up came to this realization, like one of them was Bobby Wagner, obviously. We're going to kind of climb down the list here and see if anything's changed. There's your first linebacker, $10 million per. Um, I mean, he's good, 27 years old. This is Lubu from uh, Carolina, 84.8, 74.8, 78.5. Just a little too much money for me to play for someone you're probably going to take off the field, you know, unless, of course, he could beat Devondre Campbell out for that other linebacker spot in the nickel. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so let's just climb on down here, and we'll get to some of these players that we said we liked. Um, Patrick Queen, a lot of people like Patrick Queen, right? Um, you know, 2021, 43.5, 69.7, and a 73.0. He's only 24 years old. You guys remember the Packers. He, people were expecting him to draft Patrick Queen. Tim, look at his cost per year, bro. 18.1 million per. Yeah. That's a lot of money, man. A lot of money. Man, that's higher than Snoop Dogg, man. Lord. <laughs> there you go. Hunter Henry would be, I think, a pretty good deal that tied in at six million. Just one of those veteran guys. He can block pretty decent. Um, had a better year last year than he did the year before. Really struggled in that offense uh in 2022 for New England. Not interested there. Climb on down. Here's our first guy that we like, Geno Stone. Okay. Um, six and a half million per, right? Played in Baltimore, 24 years old. So if you got him on a three to a four-year deal, you're going to get the best years of his career. PFF, he's he's excelling every year, 61.4, 71.4, 72.2. Tim, after we did the drafts, we're still showing we need two safeties, right, two safeties and two corners. I feel I feel even more excited about them making a run at the Geno Stone top player than I did before. Do you still feel the same? I I I do, but I, you know, we can't ignore the, you know, knocks on Stone or his lack of deployment in the box or the slot and poor run defense and tackling. Bingo. So it sounds a lot like what we've kind of had already. Now, if there's some kind of crazy scenario where you can bring him in and keep Savage, and those are your two, your two uh, starting safeties, yep, that that could work maybe. Um, but I don't know. I think. Uh, might be cheaper to just try and keep J.O. or something if we want someone to miss 20% of their tackles. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know. I think it's well said. It, he would play the single high safety for sure. And, you know, PFF-wise, 84.9 coverage grade, phenomenal. But what Tim's pointing out, missed 19% of his tackle opportunities this season. That is ugly. You could probably do better, but at $6.5 that's a little rich, right, a little bit rich. Although he played better than Savage, there's no doubt about that, right? So we we were willing to pay Savage almost $8 million last year on that fifth-year option. Geno Stone, you know, would be cheaper uh, than we paid uh, Savage last year and play a lot better in coverage too, right? Which, by the way, Savage is probably going to return. I think there's a realistic shot there. At least with Stone, I'll, I will say this, at least his uh... – his numbers, projected contract numbers, don't seem overly inf inflated like some of these other guys. So, I'm, and I'm kind of surprised by that. You know what I mean? I would expect his to be a little bit higher, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's the thing that's really and and Spotrack has been spot on. And these numbers, I went and cross checked them. I'm pretty sure that PFF's getting all their information from Spotrack because these numbers line up perfectly with Spotrack's projected market value. So that's why if if, if he was 10 million, I'd say no, right? But that six and a half is like, eh, it's kind of intriguing. So let's slide on down to our next guy was Bobby Wagner, linebacker. Do we still need a linebacker? This is why we did the mock draft exercise, right? We went through, and linebacker is our lowest need that meets the qualification of 0.5 remaining that we could potentially need. I'm kind of to the point now, Tim, where I'm like, you know what? Be aggressive with Bobby Wagner and try to lowball him, you know? 
we're okay if we miss out on him because we were able to use the draft to fill some of our linebacker needs. And, and let's be honest, if you bring in Bobby Wagner, this is what Bill Parcells referred to as a progress stopper. If you start him over a young linebacker, you're going to stunt that young linebacker's growth because they're, they're missing those, those key snaps on defense actually being on the field, right? I'm still okay at $4 million, but after the draft, I feel a lot better about, you know what? If they don't decide to try to sign a free agent linebacker, I'm okay with it because we were able to do pretty good in the draft. Does that make sense? Absolutely, especially looking at some of these linebackers that that we really like in this draft class. However, I will, I, yeah, exactly. However, I will say uh, if there's an exception to my I don't want anybody north of 30 years old rule, uh, Bobby Wagner is the exception to that rule. I would right. I would sign Bobby Wagner if he was 53 years old. <laughs> um, so you just continue you know, to play, man. And, and how cool would it be to get a year, you know, a year or two out of uh, out of Bobby Wagner in the in the green and gold? I you know I'd love to see it. But you're right; it could be a progress stopper for guys like Quay and, and uh, Zay McDuffie and potentially whoever we draft. Now, if something changes with Devondre and we're looking to fill a veteran role in this defense then Bobby Wagner makes some sense um and a guy who can pretty much play anywhere it wouldn't take long to get him up to speed here in Green Bay um I think it's a long shot um I'm with you I'd lean to the draft first um but you will get no complaints out of me about bringing Bobby Wagner into Green Bay yeah you pretty much described my stance to a T like if they bring him in I'd be like yes this makes all the sense in the world if they don't get him it's like okay we got enough enough targets there in the draft for sure. So let's move on to the next page here. And the next player that we had on our list, I need to put this in front of us real quick here so I don't get lost. All right, let's see who the next one to pop up that we said we really liked. As we scroll down, I'm getting way down the list now. Hopefully some of these guys didn't get signed. If you see a name that you remember, you just stop me, Tim. But it seems like we're pretty far down here. I've got it, I've got it sorted by so many positions here. Did we uh... – Oh, Lohe Gilman, yeah. So here's a Lohe Gilman. Now, hear me out, okay? Let me uh, let me get the, the whiteboard out here. Nah. <laughs> so, in 2021, Cheeks, 58.8. 2022, Cheeks, 58.5. Last year, 928 snaps, 86.1 PFF grade. Okay, so that's a huge sample size. Keep in mind that Ansley, the, uh, the defensive backs coach for the Packers now, was the D.C. for the Chargers. So he's got ties with a Lowy Gilman. If you told me $8 million, I'd go no. If you said six, I'd probably say no. But $2.7 million, Tim, boy, I would I would venture to say, you know what? Bank on him, bet on him a little bit, seeing that his ODC is going to be here running the DB room, right? Um, why don't we try to lock him up to a three-year deal worth $9 million? You know, a little, you know, three per, maybe give him something like four and a half million guaranteed. Where if he does flop by year three, you could just cut bait and free up a ton of cap space and just move on. But, you know, they're, they got him at one year, 2.6 million. If he's going to sign a multi year deal, he's probably going to want a little, a little more security than that 2.6 million. But I'm still on a Lowy Gilman. To me, he is the, the front runner for me over Geno Stone right now, personally. Yep. Especially for the cost, you know, cost of it all. And, uh, looking at the fact that he's barely 27, so you're right. You could get a guy like this, have him around until he hits that that magic 30 number that we all we all hate. Um, so yeah, and then of, of course, you know, you've got the continuity with with our coach. So 
I mean, it's not a, a, there's worse proposals out there for sure. Oh yeah. No doubt about it, man. No doubt. All right, let's move on to the next page here. We'll get ready to wrap this thing up. We'll bend the uh, history into, uh, into tonight's episode for sure. Here's our boy Darnell Savage, two years, five million per. Okay, PFF grades 57.3, 47.5, 75.5 is what they got a season grade listed at. Obviously, when you go check it, it shows it actually in the upper 60s. Um, I think that they're including the playoff game is probably why you get that difference in the grade. Nonetheless, you can see he uh he had a better year last year, whether it's 66 or 75. Uh, Darnell Savage took a step in the right direction. I Forget what what I think. Forget what Tim thinks for a minute. I think the the team has said all they needed to say about Darnell Savage. The fact that they were willing to pay him one year, almost $8 million, they really like this guy. Um, it makes me feel better about the situation, Tim, knowing that he played some of his best football last year, like he, he got better. Um, now you're getting ready to change to a defense that I think will suit him a little bit better too. Um, so and, and really what I mean by that is, the way Jeff Halfley plays, if he continues to do what he's been doing, there's less sugar in the secondary pre-snap. It's line up and go, guys. Just get where you're going to be and go. As we're before, we kept showing two high shell, rotate the one. Two high shell, rotate the one. So I think he'll be in a position to play faster. Um, is it my top choice? No. But if Goody can get him for $5 million per as opposed to that almost $8 million that we did you know, the, the previous year, last year, um, I would be okay with it at this point because he's someone who's familiar with the facility. He's familiar in the locker room. The coaches like him. I think there's something to be said there. That's someone who's going to get get you know in the coach's corner and help deliver this new message that Jeff Halfley is going to bring in. So uh, I'm a little bit – for me, if, if, if I were the one building this roster and seeing that we need two safeties this offseason, I would get a Lohe Gilman for that $2.6 million, and I get Darnell Savage for $5 million per for two years. That's me personally. What do you think, Tim? I'm, I'm in agreement. Um, you know, I know Sav has caught a lot of heat in previous seasons uh, for underperforming. I get it. But you know we have to. You're only as good as your last game. We got to look. We got to look now into the future. And uh, you know what you said can't be understated. Um, he is. He's a good locker room guy. He's a good teammate. Um, he's a leader out there in that uh, secondary room. Uh, gets along with the guys really well. And um, you know we've seen Sab make some huge plays for us. Um, and I think uh, we could do a lot worse, especially with the like you just said. You know the the numbers, the contract numbers, they're not inflated anymore. So now it's kind of stabilized to the point where this is doable. And um, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Like if you told me Geno Stone or Darnell Savage, I think I'm going to go with Darnell Savage as as unpopular of a opinion as that might be. um, I'm not opposed to keeping him around. Yeah. You know, you can get, if you get Savage for cheaper than you can get Geno Stone and, uh, and do it in a way that you could you could cut bait if you needed to in a couple of years. I think it makes all the sense in the world. Um, so, again, people hear this and they think, so you're not drafting safety? No, we are. The The reason we came up with, hey, why don't we go after two? What would it look like if we went after two safeties in free agency? What would make sense? It's so you could still draft that one safety in the draft. Imagine this right here. Imagine a Lohe Gilman at $2.6 million, Darnell Savage at $5 million. They're your, your safety room the floor is set, right? The floor in the safety room is set. You've also got Anthony Johnson Jr. that hopefully will take a step forward. Now you go out and draft. You either draft a Tyler Newbin or a Cameron Kitchens, whichever one that Goody likes more, if you could somehow, some way land them. 
Now what you've got is a spot where you could bring in, you know, the other night we were talking about Viper. People were mentioning Viper, which is essentially the same thing as Star. Um, you know, they got this uh, this spatial defender, if you will, that can come in and kind of kind of read and recognize and play a little bit freely. It's typically a safety or a physical corner. And immediately Jake Shavink said that kind of sounds like Darnell Savage, doesn't it? Yep. So if you go with a three safety look from time to time, whether it's nickel or dime going against 11 or 10 personnel, then imagine on the field a Lohi Gilman, Darnell Savage, and a Tyler Newbin or a Cam Kitchens. I feel a lot better about that safety room if that's the case, man. So, sure. yeah, just something to kind of keep your eye on there. Keyshawn Nixon comes in right here on the list. It, keep in mind, we said we needed two corners, right? 1.1 1. 1, uh, corner, and then corner came in again at 0. 0.6 because we have four listed as needs. We were essentially – what that tells you is we were able to find two good corners that we felt good about in the draft, so we still need two corners. Um, Keyshawn Nixon, you're bringing him back for return purposes, plain and simple. It's yeah. it's an added value that he can play slot corner in a pinch if someone goes down with an injury, right? So I think the value as a, a quality backup slot nickel corner and him being the best kick returner in the game, I'd be willing to pay that $4.2 million that his projected uh, contract is set at now. So um, definitely there. Uh, let's see that, who else did we have on the list that we wanted to hit on. Uh, Greg Von Roten we already hit on, so we pretty much got on every, got, got everybody there. So what I'm going to write down is Nixon at corner. I'm going to put Gilman at safety, just as notes so we remember what we did here. Savage at safety. We didn't get a second corner, but we said Von Roten at guard, right? And those are the signings that we made in free agency. So with that being said, your needs now going into the draft would be that one corner, right? Um, or yeah, one corner, one safety, and then you've pretty much got everything else filled out other than like your backup tight end linebacker. You can truly go best player available with the with the rest of the needs, right? If you if you went that route. So those are the four free agents. We did an early free agency evaluation. We came up with a list of potential candidates, right? We went in and did six mock drafts, and we came out the other side with here are the needs that we weren't able to fill on an average basis for the mock drafts. So we come back now and go, what are our greatest needs? We just filled three. Uh, we just filled four of those, whatever they were, one, two, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, four of those seven immediate needs because we weren't able to fill it with our early mock drafts. These are the things that front offices are doing, going through and going, all right, let's walk out every scenario of this draft. How could it occur? And that's how they prep themselves for free agency as that gets ready to kick off. Also, now you look at your re-signing of players and go, all right, if we weren't able to get that corner, maybe another thing that you do here too, Tim, for the for the right price, you know, uh, or not corner, but safety, maybe you go, you know what, Jonathan Owens, less than $2 million bring him back. That could be another one we could bring back and fill that that void. If for some reason Savage doesn't sign or you don't go after Gilman, that's another way that you could fill some of these needs. But I think that would be – I would feel really good if you can get Keyshawn Nixon back, uh, Darnell Savage back at $5 million. And I keep saying $5 million because I don't want him for $8 million again. I don't, I don't want you to get the misconception that I'm like, hey, Clayton's real high on Savage. I'm not. I think he's a great locker room dude, but I think he could do better at safety. And then, of course uh, – Go get uh, Von Roten at guard. You know, again, 19th lowest blown block percentage in the entire National Football League last year, right there neck and neck with Elton Jenkins. That would be really cool to see those two paired together for a year or two. So, oh, that's another one too, boy. Look at this. 
Shadid went straight to my heart. He said, bring Rudy Ford back as well. I'd love to see it, man. I would love to see it. That's another one. But here's the reason I backed off the Rudy Ford thing a little bit. It just feels like there's something there behind the scenes that they didn't give him the starting safety job. And then throughout the season, it just – Tim, do you get the same vibe or am I just – am I Mr. Conspiracy over here? It just felt like something was off, like he wasn't clicking with the coaches because coming out of training camp, he, he made another comment about him not being a starting safety. He made like a little snide comment like, uh, you know, I feel like I've done enough of winning or something like that. And I was going, I love Rudy Ford. He's my favorite safety in this safety room. You guys know I'm the president of Rudy Ford Fan Club. Somebody tagged me the other day and said, Rudy, uh, and he put in parentheses, Clayton's boy Ford. That's what he put on Twitter. So do you think there's something there? Do you think, you know, what, what's the deal with Rudy and why they kind of backed off of playing him more? I think there could be. Um and, you know, also he had some injuries, which is going to, you know, not help your consistency. Um, being at every single training camp practice that I was last year, I did see some of that um, on the field with the staff. And you saw guys being rotated in. We saw a lot of Anthony Johnson Jr. being rotated in uh, with the first and second team. Um, you know, attitude can, uh, you know, can really affect your playing. I mean, we saw that with Jair, right? I mean, the guy needed an attitude adjustment and uh, it happened. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think ultimately, though, injuries are what kept Rudy out of the mix um, going forward. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Obviously, they're going to let him test the market. So yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see, what, uh, yeah. what, what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shadid in the chat says, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Let's go, man. You can get me fired up, dude. Change it up. Change the list up. We're signing Rudy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Peter Stone says, uh, what do you guys think of Xavier? I think he's talking about Xavier McKinley or McKinney. Um, just uh, I'm not going to pull it back up on the screen. we got to wrap the show up, but I will tell you his numbers. He graded out as an 87.8 last year. Solid grade, right? Solid grade. Uh, let's go back the previous two years, 2021, 75.4, 2022, he dipped all the way down to a 61.2. And in 2023, he jumped up to an 87.8. Here's the thing, 12 and a half million per, right? So it's like, it, you know, you've got Antoine Winfield is probably going to get franchise tag. They had him at 18 million. Would you be willing to pay 12 million for Xavier McKinney? You know, I didn't have him on the list. And uh, who is it, Tim? I, I, I'm on another screen. Who is it that, that said this comment? Oh, uh, Peter Stone. Peter Stone. As I look at it here, inconsistency, right? 2022, it dipped pretty far. But age, he's 25 years old, 12 and a half million. Not horrible. If he can play, if he can play at 87.8, sign me up. The question is, is he going to play at that level, right? Here's the other thing, too. Precedent, right? If we step back and go, but what would Goody do? You guys remember when he went out in free agency and signed Adrian Amos? So there's a little bit of precedent there. I don't hate it. Tim, what do you think, man? I need to pull it up on the screen for you just so you can see it because you, I'm, you're kind of flying blind here. Let me just show you his card and then we'll get out. This is how we go over. It's your all's fault. Every single time it's your all's fault. Um, let's see here. Free agent rankings. This, I just want to get you because this has got me thinking here a little bit, Tim. I ain't gonna lie, man. Peter Stone, uh, thank you for the comment, buddy. Um, this is uh, this is kind of how it looks here. Tell me what you would think about this one. You'd have to free up a little bit of cap room to make it work, right? But what do you think about Xavier McKinney? And you can kind of read the scouting port there too if you want. 
But uh, 75.4, 61.2, um, Three years, $12.5 million per. You ain't got to worry about him cracking 30 and, and hitting the wall while he's under contract. Hold on, um, hold on. Sign me up. Rarely whiffs on open field tackles. 24-year-old has missed just 7.8 of his tackle. Atten- yep, sign me up. I've seen enough. All right. It's a lot of money. And the Packers have got to move stuff around to free up. Obviously, you cut Bach, you got the money, right? You got to move. You still got to move a few other things around, which they're going to do with, with Aaron Jones's contract and all that stuff. I'm adding him to the list here. I'm adding him to the shopping list, Peter. I think you sold us on here, man. Yep. Um, when we looked at him before, we were going, ah, too much money, too much money. And and now as we we get closer to it, it looks like Bach may not be back with the Packers. I hope he is. I don't want people to get the wrong impression there too. I'd like to get Bach back for that thirty million per. And free up about you know seven to ten million in cap space and, and have the best left tackle if he's healthy. But all right, so this is a safety twelve and a half million per. It's Xavier McKinney. I feel like there's something there that we've seen before that that we're just overlooking now. But I could be wrong. Um, there's no injury list mentioned there, is there, Tim? Nope. So nope. just some in- inconsistency. Maybe that's what we didn't like. Might about have been him. the contract that really really had us looking the other way but like you said if things change with d bach there's the money right exactly if we weren't over on time i would pull the sis data and see what his passer rating when targeted is matter of fact i'm going to make a note tim um we'll do that tonight we'll we'll deep dive into xavier mckinney and uh and just see let me make a note here so i don't forget and see what his passer rating when targeted is and that'll kind of give us a little bit better picture of, hey, all right, how how well did he play when he was actually targeted, right? So we'll go yep. after rating when targeted. All right, cool. That would be a fun little exercise, and we'll hit our history tonight too. So that would be a good episode um, when targeted. All right, you got anything else, Tim? Anything else you want to hit on, both? Nope, I think we covered it. Yeah, It's a good episode, man. We covered a lot of information. Um, you know, the fact that we didn't get around to the history – that's good because we're going to have all offseason to talk about that, right? Right. We're using the history as filler, and it's pretty cool because we're getting great feedback on the filler of the offseason. People are going, man, I love this stuff. I think the greatest compliment we got so far was someone said, this, this, they said this podcast is better than any Netflix series. I was like, that's freaking awesome. <laughs> I disagree. No one's got a redneck accent on a, on a Netflix like this, but it is what it is. All right, we're going to get out of here. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. You guys were absolutely Awesome. Thank you, Peter Stone, for bringing up Xavier McKinney. We'll we'll deep dive him a little bit more and see. Listen, we may go to the passer rate when targeted and the missed blocks team. We may go, nope, nope. Like, you know what I'm saying? That could have been a little bit misleading what we just read. But if everything checks out, that might be a potential target there. And, and you, you've seen, too, the other thing, it didn't mention that they were going to potentially franchise tag him either. So he's, like, not to that level where they're going to franchise tag him most likely. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but it probably won't happen. So – With that being said, we're out of here, guys. Appreciate y'all hanging out with us. We'll see you tonight for Packers Total Access Live. We'll bring you some history. We'll deep dive Xavier McKinney a little bit more and look at some other stuff that you guys want to talk about, hanging out in the chat and all that good stuff. So for those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.